Here we will explore true facts about the I.I. Much like the pug, the I.I. walks the delicate tightrope between radically ugly and cute as hell. <laughs> the I.I. resembles a cat who was bitten by a vampire and then halfway through the transformation just said screw it. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I am not an animal expert. I'm still not an animal expert. I have allergies, so I apologize in advance if my voice doesn't sound great, uh, and I will do all the editing so that I don't make a disgusting cough into your ear holes. Uh, this is a solo episode this week, and I'm going to talk about the I.I., which is a weird, strange... Look, you're going to hear me call this animal strange and weird and creepy a lot in the next few minutes. Um, and they're really, like, they're cute in their own way, and they're a really cool little animal, but they're... They're... They're creepy and weird. Uh, anyway, here's some news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. You know, the great thing about doing this podcast and about studying animals is that there's always something new to learn about them. Whether you're a person like me and you don't know a whole lot about animals, or you're a very smart professor-type person who knows a ton about animals. So the I.I. has been studied for a very, very long time now. Adam Hartstone Rose is an associate professor of biological sciences in, at North Carolina State University. In February 2020, he and some of his colleagues accidentally stumbled upon something that they'd never seen before. They found a tiny extra digit called a pseudothumb, and it's a structure on each wrist that is made out of bone and cartilage. They were studying eyes. They had seven deceased eyes. They weren't killed for the experiment, but they were they were dead already. And they were being dissected because they were doing an overall study of the eye's hands and fingers. And they just happened to notice that a little tendon that runs down the wrist and into the hand splits into two directions. And the smaller part of that tendon ended at what they described as a strange little structure. When they looked into that strange little structure, they noticed a little a small bone and a little cartilage extension, and that little extension was moved in three different directions by three different muscles. And that's the pseudothumb. It even had its own little fingerprint. It's mysterious that no one had ever noticed this finger before, but it could be because that it's mostly embedded in the fleshy part of the hand and therefore easy to miss. Could also be that the other long fingers are so distracting that anatomists just never notice this small structure in the hand. Other animals do have pseudodigits for various reasons. It's thought that the pseudothumb of the I.I. is a climbing aid, but since they just found it like a year ago, they need to study it to see what it's all about and what it does and what it doesn't do. Always something new to learn about, uh, about animals. Even just when you think you know everything, you learn something new. I think it's really cool. Well, just a reminder to go to varmints.podbean.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at varmintspodcast, all one word. 
and at varminspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We have a Pinterest board, and you can put varmints into the search engine at Redbubble for all kinds of wonderful merchandise, including leggings. I know we can get leggings. I'm going to try to get leggings on there. But we can get leggings and shower curtains and coffee mugs and, you know, T-shirts. Normal things, like T-shirts and mugs. <laughs> but you can get a little weird things, too, with our logo on it. We can get anything with your logo on it, apparently. So if you want something, you know, I don't know, a doormat, let us know. We could probably get it at Redbubble. If you like the show, hey, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast that way? We love reviews. We like reading nice reviews. They make us feel good. Uh, but really, word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. Uh, if your friend doesn't know where to listen to us, just say anywhere. You can you can listen to us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts. And what, uh, what other things are there? Stitcher and Pandora. And probably if you shout out of your window and say, hey, I want to listen to the Varmints podcast, you'll like wake up somebody's Alexa and they'll it'll play it for you. I don't know. <laughs> you can hear us anywhere. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're gonna, let's learn a little bit about eye eyes. Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. Eye eyes are a type of lemur that are endemic to Madagascar. So endemic means that they are not only native to Madagascar, but they are found in specific parts of Madagascar. They're not all over the whole island. They are a fully nocturnal primate. They only come out at night. They aren't the only nocturnal primate, but they are the largest ones. They have long slender bodies. They don't look particularly slender, but their thick hair kind of bulks them up a bit. But they're, they're still kind of like long and, and lean. Eye eyes can weigh up to about six pounds or two and a half kilos. And from tip to tail, they can grow to be about three feet or one meter long. They have a very sort of squirrel-like face. They have large forward-facing eyes for good nighttime vision. They have nictitating membranes, which are those are the sort of like the third eyelids you see on some reptiles and birds that are transparent, and they just keep the eye nice and clean and, and uh, you know, keep dust and dirt out of their eyes. Cats have them too. I did not know that until I did the research, but cats actually have that third eyelid. Had no idea. Compared to other lemurs, they're just not a cute, fuzzy-looking animal. Their, their body is covered in dark brown and black brindled hair. Brindled means that there's just no real pattern. It's just blotchy patches of black and brown uh, with white tips, uh, they're just not, they're, okay, look, they're cute, they're ugly cute, they're, it's like the, the little intro clip says, they're, they're, they're ugly cute. What really sets them apart from the other animals, though, is their foraging. About 80% of an eye-eye's life is spent foraging for foods. Now, eye-eyes eat seeds, nuts, fruits, nectar, fungi, like a lot of other lemurs. Also in an eye eye's food box is insect larvae and honey. And the insect larvae that they are after aren't just out there in the open. These are mostly beetle larvae that are feeding on the wood that is inside the limbs and branches of trees. 
IIs find these insect larvae by using a type of echolocation called percussive foraging. Now, IIs have five very, very long fingers, and the third digit is super thin and bony. It looks like a finger that somehow didn't get enough nutrition or, or had the circulation cut off and it didn't it just didn't grow like it should have. Turns out that's the most important digit of all. It has a ball and socket joint. It's highly flexible. It can move 360 degrees and it can operate independently of all the other digits. It's just its own finger. So they tap that long skinny finger on the bark of the tree. And what that does is it helps the I.I. to locate the empty cavities under the surface of the tree that have been created by all these beetle larvae. They tap about eight times per second, and they aren't tapping very hard at all. I tried to find some sound of the I.I. just tapping away, and they tap so lightly that there's just nothing to hear. But the I.I. has really, really large ears, so they can hear what's going on. So when that long finger taps on a hollow spot inside of the tree, the I.I. can actually hear the echo. And that means that there's a good chance that there's a beetle larva in there. So the I.I. will chew a hole into that spot and then use that same long skinny finger. It has a claw on the end. It will reach in and pull that larva out. It is amazing. I'll put a video in the show notes for you to look at. The other fingers on the hands just really seem to be for climbing, holding onto things, jumping from tree to tree, which they do. The only other animal that we know of that uses percussive foraging to find food is the striped possum, which lives in Australia. Also, female I.I.s have two nipples located in the region of the groin, which is not terribly important, <laughs> but I ran across that sentence, and uh, because I'm basically a 12-year-old boy, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to say it into a microphone. <laughs> male and female I.I.s are just called male and female I.I.s. Babies are called infants, like, like a human infant, which somehow is even more creepy. I don't know why. I.I.s are very solitary creatures. Uh, they'll feed near each other. They'll kind of tolerate each other. But mating really is the only time these animals will get together. So there's really not a collective noun for a group of I.I.s because it just really doesn't happen. Pierre Sonnerat was a French naturalist who was the first to call this animal an I.I. Because he said that this was the sound that the animal makes. Trouble is that they're aren't any lemur vocalizations that sound like I.I. Lemurs do make noises that sound sort of like a cat, maybe a bird, but none of them really make a sound that sounds like I.I. So we don't really know where he came up with that. It's possible that the Malagasy people cried out, I.I. in fright when they were showed the animal, and that's how it got named. Or, and this is, this is what people think, is that I.I. is a derivation from a Malagasy word, he-he, or hey-hey, meaning I don't know, which suggests that the Malagasy-speaking people either didn't have a name for the animal, like they didn't really know what to call it, or they were too superstitious to speak its name because it is fady or taboo, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Hey, I want to take just a minute to thank everybody that supports us on Patreon. We really do appreciate it. Patreon is how we pay for hosting and how we pay for things like a little video series that I do on YouTube. And 
it helps us get like newer equipment, which is really nice. Helps us keep going. So we really do appreciate the uh, the support. If you want to support us and you want to get early release episodes or you want to get that YouTube video content, you can go to patreon.com slash varmints and as little as a dollar a month gets you all sorts of little bonus goodies. So patreon.com slash varmints. Hey there everyone, Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. So I chose Maurice from the 2005 animated film Madagascar and all of the sequels and the things that came from that film. The running storyline through the Madagascar movies, at least, is there are four Central Park Zoo animals that are unexpectedly shipwrecked on Madagascar and they have to try to get back home. The animals meet up with a pack of lemurs led by King Julian XIII and his royal advisor and best friend is Maurice, who is an I.I. that is voiced by Cedric the Entertainer. Maurice tries to give King Julian some pretty solid advice and counsel, and Julian never listens to him. There are also TV shows and video games based on the Madagascar franchise, and Maurice appears in all of those as well. Here's a clip from the spin-off TV show All Hail King Julian, where Maurice, poor Maurice, he thinks he's dancing all by himself. He's not realizing that he has an audience. Everybody group What? It is my kingly duty to share this hilariousness with the world. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, very nimble for so much junk in his trunk. How long have you all been there? Maurice, why do you sound so mopey? Do you not see how many fanboys you have made today by letting your freaky flag fly? It's not funny. <laughs> I agree, it's not funny. It's hilarious! <laughs> <laughs> Maurice looks a little I-I-ish, sort of. I'll put a picture of him in the show notes and you can be the judge. Um, DreamWorks, they did a nice job of making an I-I look a little more like he belongs in a fun animated movie and a little less like a real I-I. He doesn't have the weird long fingers. His eyes are kind of too big. Um, he's short. He's sort of like short and round and not long. He doesn't really have a, a pointed face. He just doesn't look like an eye eye. I don't know. <laughs> he looks like a... He looks like a weird koala. I don't know. He, I, I, you know what? I think it's like... I think it's a missed opportunity. I think... Maybe DreamWorks could have made him look a little more like a real I.I. And that would have brought a little more, maybe, attention. Maybe that would make kids interested in I.I.s a little bit more. I don't know. I'm probably overthinking all of this. I haven't seen all of the Madagascar movies. I've only seen the first one. And as I recall, it was pretty good. So go check that out. 
Would you eat it in a box? Would you eat it with a fox? Would you eat the fox? Would you eat it? I would not eat an I.I. They don't look edible at all. <laughs> no, they, they don't look like they don't look appetizing. They don't look like something that we're supposed to eat. Uh, but fosas eat them. And are they fosas or fusas? I think they're fusas. Fusas and birds of prey will occasionally eat I.I.'s. Mom always said that ponies can't dream. Yeah, well, I heard that dogs are made of rope. <laughs> Our animalologists have been working tirelessly at your local library to combat misinformation and bring you this edition of Animal Fact of the Week. <laughs> In Madagascar, Fady, uh, spelled F-A-D-Y, are a wide range of taboo superstitions and cultural prohibitions. All kinds of people and things and places can be considered fady. Some fadies are widespread and some are very particular to regions or villages. And they're almost always connected with supernatural powers and ancestor worship. And they can be kind of a big deal to some people. In fact, the Malagasy word for please or excuse me is as a fady, which translates to may it not be fady to me. No other animal in Madagascar is as fady as the I.I. There are a lot of differences between villages, tribes, and regions as to when exactly something happens. Now, some believe that an I.I. entering a village will bring misfortune to the entire village, and to escape this, everyone in the village has to leave their homes. Completely evacuating a village for one I.I. sighting seems like a very drastic response, and it doesn't seem to happen anymore, but back in the 1960s, some completely abandoned, perfectly good villages were documented. Some believe that I.I.s are man-eaters, and that you should never leave your village in the dark because you will get eaten by an I.I. The appearance of I.I.s usually is associated with the death of a villager, and so the age, like in some places, the age of the I.I. would correspond with the age of the doomed villager. So if there was an older I.I. in the village, that would predict the death of an older villager. If a younger I.I. was in the village, that meant a, a younger villager was, was going to die. On the coastal areas, it's believed that an encounter with an I.I. in the forest is no big deal. It's there in its natural environment. It's leaving you alone. You're leaving it alone. No big deal. But as soon as it leaves the forest and sits on the roof of a house, anyone living under that roof is doomed. And if an I.I. points at you with that long finger, you or someone you love will almost certainly get sick and die. These are some of the beliefs that they have in Madagascar. Unfortunately, many inhabitants of Madagascar believe that the only way to avoid this disaster is to catch and kill the animal. And so very frequently, these dead I.I.s are hung upside down on sticks at the roadside, which is really sad. And they believe that strangers passing by on that road will take the animal's misfortune with them and get it as far away from the village as possible. Each area of Madagascar has its own little myths and legends about the I.I., and very, very few of them are positive. And through no fault of their own, you know, I.I.s look a little bit creepy. They're purely nocturnal. They live alone. 
There are so few of them that they're rarely ever seen, and that makes them even more mysterious and scary. So this, along with some deforestation and habitat encroachment, that's the reason that the I.I. is critically endangered, and it's really unfortunate. Most I.I.s are hunted out of fear. That's it. And that's been happening for quite a while now. Until 1957, it was thought to be extinct. They, people thought that there were no more I.I.s left, but there's still a few. It's believed that there are only about 100 I.I.s left in the wild, which is not a lot at all. The Duke Lemur Center in Durham, North Carolina, have been keeping, researching, and breeding I.I.s and other lemurs to try to fend off extinction. They were responsible for the first I.I. born into captivity, a little girl named Agatha, and that was a really great opportunity to study the infant's development. The researchers there also learned a whole lot that they didn't know about the I.I.'s diet. So there are people working to try to bring that species back around. And there are also books aimed at children to educate them about I.I.'s. One book I found is called I.I. Gets Lucky, and it's written by Terry Tatchell. And it's one of a series of books about endangered and misunderstood animals. And if you buy this book, all the proceeds go towards the protection and conservation of all lemurs, not just I.I.s. So I'll add a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. And I'll also put a link to the Duke Lemur Center. And you can go to their website and you can see all of their little guests. And you can find out ways to help them, too. They will take donations and stuff. Well, I do hope you enjoyed today's solo episode. This episode has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the very talented Emron Javed, and our vocal talent today was Stacy and Frosty and Justine and Santiago. Christine has a cute little dog that looks a little bit like an eye-eye. Sorry, Christine. It's the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. And today we have Milo. Milo has something to say about I.I.'s. All right, Milo, you want to say hi to the Varmints folks? Yeah. Hi. Hi. And you want to tell us everything you know about I.I.'s. Okay. Um, uh, I.I.'s are primates, and they have big eyes. I'm not sure if that's why they're named I.I.'s. Um... <laughs> They eat bugs by reaching their long clawed fingers into trees and pulling them out. They have brown fur and pointy ears, I think. And a lot of people think they look creepy. I personally don't. So, why do people think they're creepy and why do you not think they're creepy? Um, I don't know why people think they're creepy, but it could be that sometimes their big eyes can look a little bit... Mm, menacing? Hmm. That's not quite the word. Um, and I don't think they are creepy because I like animals and animals generally don't look creepy to me. Is that everything? Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Milo. Milo is the host of his own podcast. It's called Mom vs. Dad. On each episode of Mom vs. Dad, Milo has his parents debate a topic using logic, facts, and humor. Lots of animal content there, too. There's, like, squirrels versus chipmunks, anteaters versus armadillos, bats versus spiders. But Milo is a really, really great debate moderator. He's very 
fair, but he's very firm. And he keeps his parents on their toes. And he's the final judge. He decides which parent wins the debate. Episodes are about 10 minutes long. It's a really, really fun listen. So I'll put a link to those and uh, everything else that we talked about in the show notes at varmints.podbean.com. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time, be nice to animals. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.